0: Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. I'm a mom, physician assistant, writer, and life coach. Two years ago, I was feeling stuck, restless, overwhelmed, and I felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be, but I had no idea what that even meant. And the crazy part is, my life had turned out pretty awesome, at least on paper. But I couldn't figure out what was wrong or why I felt out of alignment. A series of books and podcasts and conversations changed my life and revealed my next journey one step at a time. My purpose right now is to help you wake up to your soul's purpose by sharing conversations with amazing women who've walked in your shoes. Keep listening and the answers to your next step will come, I promise. We're all here for a reason, and I'll help you figure out what that is so you don't have to waste another minute sleepwalking through your life. I definitely don't have it all figured out, so I'll also share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. So if you've been thinking about hiring a life coach, or if you have no idea what a life coach is, and you're thinking, well, I don't know, I probably need one because I'm stuck and a lot of what Hope says sort of resonates with me call me. Well, actually, don't call me. Let's let's schedule a time to talk. So you can email me hope.cook at gmail.com or go to my website, coachhopecook.com. And there's a place on there you can schedule a free discovery call. And what I've started doing is offering sort of a mini coaching session for free because so many people don't know what life coaching is. So you have nothing to lose. There's no pressure. So I highly recommend it.
1: I have a podcast
0: Hello, everybody. Today, I have Helen King. Helen is coming all the way from New Zealand. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> You're the first person I've interviewed from New Zealand, so that's
1: that's pretty cool. Oh, that is a pretty yeah. That is a pretty good honor to have to be the first Kiwi. Yes. All right. So Helen has had
0: uh, a quite a journey. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at 37, um, and she tells me that that led to just turning her life upside down. And we're going to hear about her journey. So welcome, Helen.
1: No, oh, thank you so much. Hope it is. Yeah, it is such a pleasure to be here.
0: And I told Helen, I'm very intimidated because she has a podcasting like company and she like professionally edits and stuff. So I have (laughs) to be be. on my best behavior. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. So Helen, where, tell me what life was like before you were diagnosed with breast cancer.
1: Yeah. So we're going back to, so I was diagnosed in 2018 and I've often shared about life leading up to cancer because it had actually been quite turbulent. So from about um, 2016, um, even up to 2018, you know, I I had my uh, my marriage ended and I had left a very toxic work environment. So at that time I was also unemployed. Um, So that year was very much about getting back up Onto my feet, um, recovering financially and emotionally. And then I just had these few years where I kept getting to the end of each year going, Wow, I can't believe I got through that. That was really challenging. Next year is going to be better. Oh
0: no. And, and, then do you, got and cancer. I, you oh <laughs> Helen. Okay, so walk me through the timeline. You got a divorce
1: yeah so um my marriage ended so we separated in, in the beginning of 2016 and in New Zealand you have to wait two years before you wait I know before yes. you can officially get it
0: is that because they want to make sure you're serious I don't
1: know <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. I, I've never heard yeah, that okay no I know people in the States are always very surprised by our law that you have to wait two years. Because you can't get
0: remarried or anything for two years, no. right? Okay. No. <laughs> no All right. No, that's so, that. you know, and and I wonder too, like the role of stress in your yeah. overall health. I mean, I don't know that it caused it, but I'm sure it didn't help.
1: Yeah it's, it is very interesting you say that because those two years I had been under enormous stress and I think if anyone has been through a divorce they'll know what that stress is like mm-hmm. and I think that women actually are often left financially worse off and it yeah. can take a while and I, I mean I am very lucky in a lot of senses that we didn't have children and so I you know and I know that that is very tough for people when there are children involved. So it was just me and my cat that I was <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, sole bread, breadwinner and needing to bring in the income to make sure she was well fed. But it was very stressful. And I also, yeah, had to very quickly find work. And I went back into journalism. And I I liken that gut to going back to that really awful boyfriend that you had that oh. is always so appealing. And you get you know, suck it oh back gosh. in.
0: I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I wrote an article on, you know, when I left one job and then start and the next job was so much better, but you, yeah. I couldn't help, but like, you know, ride by the old one, just to <laughs> check it out. And, you know, it was like an ex-boyfriend.
1: <laughs> it really is because there <laughs> is part of my personality that really enjoys the thrill of, of, um, you know, news media and, Basically, um, I went into another news job and it was great in so many senses. I am really grateful that I've had these experiences and worked and you get to do some pretty cool things. Um, But you mentioned stress. And I think that, um, you know, and actually unknown to me at the time, and this is another part of my story, is that I have ADHD, but I wasn't (laughs) diagnosed until um, a few months before I turned 40. Um, yeah. And so I like so many women who, you know, share the same story. I went through the same boom bust cycle because you don't know that you have this thing and you're, you're constantly trying to figure out how do I, you know, why do I keep doing this? Why can't I cope with these things? And, um, yeah, so that was, that was my, my cycle and how things were. And then I, Basically, left um, news media and took a job in corporate communications. And was the that was okay. Bef- <clears throat> it was okay. <laughs> It was, yeah, I'm just, it's not me. I've learned, and this is one of the beautiful things I think about having these um, times of transformation is I've learned where I fit and where, and that I don't have to force myself to be anywhere that I don't want to be anymore. And, you know, it was, I found the lump the day before I started that job.
0: Wow. (laughs) So 37, you find this lump and did you sort of have a deep knowing or were you like in denial? Like, no, no, maybe it's just a
1: a assist. Maybe it's. Yeah. it's A little bit of both. So I found it and wasn't really thinking about it. And then, a couple of days in, I was thinking well this is this is very odd that I've got this lump because I've never had breast cysts or anything yeah. along those lines and because it was a new job I thought oh, I can't go and see my normal doctor I'll go to an after hours wow. and they actually told me don't worry you're too young it's it's un, you know it's not going to be cancer and they actually said you know diagnosed me with non-lactating mastitis because I don't have children interesting and were yeah, you Googling and
0: that, it? And were you like, this is really weird? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the lump might be a cyst and maybe go and get a, um, or an abscess and to uh-huh. maybe go and get a ultrasound. And I respond quite well to antibiotics. And, you know, a week after these antibiotics had done nothing and yeah. I thought, this is just really weird. And so the long and short of it is, is I did go and get that ultrasound and I knew I just knew and that there was just and I don't know because the the sonographer who did the ultrasound something had been going on with her mum but she was actually from the US as well and I don't know whether her you know her guard was down more Mm. but there was just something about her demeanor that said yeah these aren't cysts. Wow
0: (laughs) yeah Mm. so do you tell me about that moment when you like sort of knew that like your life before breast cancer and like here we yeah. go. This is it.
1: It was yeah, it was really strange because I so during that ultrasound they found three um shadows, or that's what they look oh. like, three. And I just so I had to wait till the Monday to go and get the mammogram mm-hmm. and all of these sorts of things. And People keep saying, and I, I guess, you know, it is true, like until you know, don't assume that you have cancer or don't assume that you have whatever they're looking at, but I think intuitively you do know when something mm-hmm. is very wrong, and I think the moment that I really realized that life was was now very different we're, was walking into the breast surgeon's um, office and... I guess it was weird because it was the middle of the day people were going to work and here we were walking into a breast surgeon's
0: office to
1: you know go through this process and then the other moment was the day of my mastectomy and you know if you've had surgery you know that you know you get into your gown and you get your stockings on and then sitting waiting for to be taken up for surgery and looking out the window thinking how like, how did this happen? This is, this is surreal. I'm about to have my breast removed. This is very, yeah, it's really hard to sort of put into words what that feels like, but it's very, yeah, it's very hard to kind of comprehend uh-huh. that that's what's going on. Yeah. I
0: can't imagine just sitting there and you're about to have a part of your body removed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Did your mom or sisters or anybody else have breast cancer?
1: No, no. So no one in my family had had. Um, so I'm the first in my generation of the cousins and things to have had mm-hmm. cancer even within. Yeah, on both sides, mum and dad, Mum has had cancer, but she had uterine cancer or endometrial cancer. Mm-hmm. And that's not related to the type of cancer I had. Okay. So yeah, it was very random, very. Wow.
0: Yeah. So you had the you had mastectomy and then you had mm-hmm. I read 18 months of treatments. Yeah,
1: yeah, wow. I did. That seems
0: like a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had HER2 positive breast cancer. And so what that means is that the HER2 protein um goes nuts mm-hmm. and <laughs> decides to not act how it should be. And so the um the treatment um for HER2 positive is actually the Herceptin, which is an immunotherapy drug. Um, Her2-positive is a very aggressive breast cancer for anyone who's yeah. never had to sort of embark on this world or learn what these things mean. And, um, you know, up until Herceptin was actually discovered or, or mm-hmm. invented, um, if you had Her2-positive breast cancer, you had a 50-50 chance of... Wow. Of your chemo and things working so it's interesting because the, so the the chemo and the radiation and things are the add-ons that, and the Herceptin is actually the drug that is doing the wonders yeah. in a sense and so that's the thing that takes the longest is you mm-hmm. you're on it for a year
0: did you have insurance like with starting your new job or do you I don't know about New Zealand do y'all have health insurance or
1: yeah so New Zealand's interesting I think in that we have a public health system okay And then some people do have insurance. Like I did actually have a very good insurance policy because I'd worked for our main health insurer, and um, I I I think because I'd worked there and I'd seen what I see what can go wrong with your body, so many things, (laughs) and so I kept it, and I'm glad I did because it meant that I got all my um you know the diagnostic process happened very quickly but also the interesting thing is is that had I gone through the public system the chances are is that I would have probably been treated by the same doctors because they often work in both yeah so yeah so I did have insurance which was amazing Mm -hmm. but in some ways I probably you know I wouldn't have needed it to have got the treatment did
0: you keep working during that time
1: I tried to but I I just couldn't it was I had very intensive chemo I had he he basically he nuked me my oncologist bless him he gave me the most heavy duty chemo he could and what that meant was that I yeah I I couldn't work um chemo brain is is a thing wow (laughs) And what it was, was it just...
0: like during that time when you're you're at between home and and getting treatments mm. and you don't have coworkers you don't have a spouse living with yeah. you like what was that like?
1: It's really challenging because you, yeah, because you you basically everything is focused on the cancer and you're all of a sudden sort of plagued with is this going to work what's going on mm-hmm. um, and it's it's pretty grueling, like by the end of treatment. So I had a a little less than six months of um, regular chemo. So I had eight rounds all together. And by the end, there was not one part of my body that wasn't impacted or had some sort of crazy side effect. And so it's, um, yeah, it's a really strange place to be because you are filled with so much fear and anxiety and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden everything has changed your body has changed the way you look has changed your um hopes for the future have changed Mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of doubt and uncertainty and yeah all of a sudden your your life is around getting to appointments dealing with side effects um and just kind of finding ways of of getting through,
0: yeah, so you're in this place where you're I imagine it's dark and scary like you said. do you remember when you started thinking like having hopeful thoughts or thinking of your future and
1: yeah, yeah so during I, I watched a lot of YouTube and what <laughs> A lot of, but what i would watch was travel videos because that that was something that helped me get through was yeah. um was looking and thinking that that could be a possibility in the future that i could um you know travel or do something um exciting so that helped and i sh- i was really open about my experience on my facebook page and that helped as well so it was sort of so i was letting people know what was going on but to be honest it's only really been maybe maybe in the past year or past few months yeah. where I've allowed myself to have hope for the future and oh. plan. Because for, for a very long time afterwards, I couldn't make plans. Yeah. I couldn't even make plans with friends oh. because all of a sudden, you sort of think I don't dare make plans because I don't know what's going to happen. How can I trust yeah. that anything is going to work out when when my body has completely and utterly, you know, done its own thing?
0: Wow. Yeah, that puts it in a whole different perspective because you have that day, that moment, and and you're yeah. not sure. You're not sure if you're going to have a week from then or a yeah. Month. Wow okay, so you weren't working and were you thinking about like, okay, once I'm done with treatments, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z.
1: Yeah. I, it was quite funny because I look back at it now and I think, cause one of my, one of my traits is I tend to um, be very impatient and want everything to happen now and um, be very fast and not listen to my body. And yeah, <laughs>
0: Yeah
1: we all know about that. Like, like so many of us and so I almost feel like I had to be stopped in my tracks and sort of shaken and gone come on like you need to look after yourself.
0: Yeah, can't and, so I think,
1: yeah. and so I did really start thinking about how do I want to live and how do I want to live differently and that's actually been a long slow process and I can't I'm still not there completely but I I did start thinking about work and I did go back to that job and I didn't last long in it because I just realized I don't want to be in a corporate environment. I don't want to work full-time and I was able to find another um, job which was fantastic Um, but I think it has been this slow process of unwinding my mind in a way and trying to figure out what do I actually want and how yeah. And how do I do that?
0: We don't slow down. We don't ask ourselves, what do I really want? Yeah. Or if we do, we come up with all these excuses about why we, you know, oh, I've got yeah. to work. I have to have health insurance. I have to. Yes. But yeah, cancer, it sounds like threw you in a tailspin and forced mm. you to stop and look at what do I really want?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And you also, I didn't tell y'all this, she started a podcast called the C Word Radio, right? Yes. That's right. <laughs> C Word as a- in cancer.
1: Cancer, not the C word.
0: There's lots of C words. <laughs> yes.
1: All
0: right. So, yeah. okay. I'm thinking that when you were done with treatment, that's about the time the pandemic started, right?
1: yeah well this is (laughs) interesting because I was thinking about this so I officially finished all treatment October of 2019 so that was my last receptin you know yay done but it's it's never done
0: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was yeah and I think it's really interesting because I was so lost after treatment ended Mm -hmm. like I didn't know who I was anymore my body was different I was different it was really it's almost like going through adolescence again which which no one wants to do
0: yeah where you
1: just don't know where you fit and then you have all these emotions and all this grief and stuff and yeah and then the pandemic hit in March of 2020.
0: I cannot imagine what Helen did you have a support group or how, how did you get through that?
1: It's been it's been sort of phases of it which I think has been quite yeah, it's layers of it. And so that first year, I really struggled because there wasn't a support group. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of what was offered was during work time and didn't really because mm, yeah. it's only about 8% of cancer diagnosis. I think what well, I know in New Zealand are younger people. And oh. so we're a, we are a minority and our experiences are often quite different from, from older people. Mm-hmm. So, the first turning point I think was um around that October time, and I did a two day retreat it was a you go for the day and it was with um some visiting experts and it was the first time that I was in a room of people who had been through cancer or were going through treatment and it was it was just so cathartic and okay. i um but then afterwards, you go back into your normal life and that support isn't there yeah and That's why I started my podcast, I guess, was that we're in the middle of the pandemic and in New Zealand we locked down. I mean, you could go to this, there was a designated person in your household that could go and do the shopping. You could go to the pharmacy, obviously the hospital, and you could get petrol, and that was it. And it was really interesting because we actually ended up with a flour shortage because everyone was baking and making bread. Oh,
0: flour! Like, yeah. okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I just like I've not I've often joked about this. So I can't make bread, so I made a podcast. And- <laughs> And it really has been through creating this podcast and connecting with other people around their experiences where I've started to really, um, yeah, get a degree of healing, and then through that, um, do different, you know, levels of work around grief and and loss and and those sorts of things so it really has been not one moment but like lots of different levels and processes and um being open and willing I think to want something different
0: yeah how did you know how to start a podcast like what what was that process like
1: well, um, because my background's in journalism um, and I started in radio and so I've always had a love for audio and being, you know, and playing with audio and those sorts of things. And so <laughs> I'd been looking for how do you do this, um, you know, YouTube, there, yeah, YouTube <laughs> all those sorts of things. And there's actually a local radio station um, here in Auckland. It's a community station. And so, yes, yeah, so my podcast actually goes out as a radio show first very cool yeah yeah and then it goes out as a podcast and it was just really cool because what it had meant for me was in those initial few months is I had support from um, the radio station and then that sort of gave me confidence and and I guess a place to um, yeah to have fun and and that sort of thing and then it's just sort of grown from there
0: yeah. Cause now you can do it from your home, right?
1: Yeah. 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 And
0: what a gift to other people who are going through cancer treatments and mm-hmm. they can be on your, they can listen to other podcasts of people going through it. So yeah. that's when I saw your podcast name, I was like, what a cool idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then tell me what happened after that. Like how did life change and
1: yeah, so I think I was working a job like I, I did really enjoy. I was working for the government and I um, it was great and all of those things. And I feel like there were these moments where like the first one was being diagnosed with ADHD and then all of a sudden everything that I thought I knew about myself changed and was turned on its head. And I knew I loved podcasting and I knew that I really enjoyed editing and creating And I just, I had, a, I found out that you can do it as a job and that people do it and all of those sorts of things. And I got my first sort of client um, and I had this moment at the traffic lights actually where I thought if my cancer comes back, um, you know, God willing, it won't (laughs) touch wood, um, that do I still want to be doing the same thing in 10 years time? Yeah. And to be, um, yeah, stuck in fear or stuck in, oh, I can't do that because it's too much of a risk. Um, because I've, yeah, you know, I have been influenced a lot in my life by what other people think
0: mm-hmm. or that
1: critic in my head. And so that was, that was the point where I went, yeah, I've got to do something different. And it didn't happen straight away because it never does. You know, sometimes takes a while to... Um, you know get that courage to make the leaf but I think part of it was yeah around having cancer and understanding that life can change but also that revelation of having ADHD and thinking this is why I've never fit yeah
0: this is why
1: I've never thrived at work Uh. so I thought I (laughs) I deserve to create something where I can thrive yes. and where my ADHD can be managed in a way or is a, is a strength because my creativity and my ability to do things is, you know, what I what I can do. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but yeah. So that's kind of those two things really got me into that moment of going, it's time for me to thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this knowledge now.
0: I love that it's time for me to thrive
1: at the red light.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did you get diagnosed
1: with ADHD? It was really random, as so much of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing a pattern, Helen. Yeah. (laughs) So I yeah, my my story is so similar to a lot of people women that have been diagnosed as adults where I had a long history of depression and anxiety that was uh-huh. never quite treatable um, and other things and I met, I just friend I met this woman through a like a craft group I had been invited to by uh, someone that we mutually knew and we just got talking um, and actually a, a friend of mine had recently been diagnosed and I thought oh yeah that that makes sense now that I think about it yeah and I started reading up about it because all I knew at that point was, you know, hyperactive little voice. Yeah, I, still. Yeah. And then I realized that that is just that is one person's experience. And it really was meeting this other person and sitting down and they had been diagnosed with it as well as an adult and autism. And we just started talking and I was like, oh, yeah, I do that. Oh, yeah, I do that, too.
0: <laughs> what were your what were things that were familiar to you that she was telling you?
1: Um, it's that impulsiveness. It's uh-huh. the um never quite fitting in. Um, the burnout, the constant dialogue in my head. I didn't realize that a lot of people don't have a constant dialogue. Well, wait, wait a minute. Their wait theirs.
0: a minute. Maybe I have this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Gosh, yeah, it was things like that, because women are often diagnosed with inattentive ADHD, which is not as obvious. And so the hyperactivity isn't necessarily outwardly, you know, manifested Mm -hmm. It's often in your head. And the the intriguing thing to me was when I was diagnosed. So I then was referred to a psychiatrist and and I had my assessment. It was, you know, a very Mm -hmm. long (laughs) interview and things. And one of the ways that they, you know, can test and find out whether you do have it is, you know, you take some Ritalin or other stimulant drugs. And I took the Ritalin and the next morning, within half an hour, I felt calm. Yeah. And then the next morning, the lifelong anxiety I thought I had was gone. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. That sounds life-changing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: how did that change your life? Once you, did you stay out and get on treatment?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I take medication, which is part of it. It's not all of it for sure. Um, and then I worked with an ADHD coach and she helped me just understand more about um, what ADHD is and how <laughs> it manifests in women. Because it is slightly different than men because our hormones actually interact with oh it gosh, in a different yes. way. Yeah, which can be really um yeah, a lot of women get diagnosed at menopause because the drop in estrogen is um, significant for your dopamine production. And the wow. Yeah. So that, yeah, so that's that's, that's another fascinating.
0: Tangent. So you were like a different person. Yes. After like three years, you were, your life really was turned upside down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, the, it's really interesting, actually, even looking back to my cancer treatment, because um, I was put into forced menop- uh, chemical menopause yeah. um, to hopefully preserve my fertility. And anyone who um, is in perimenopause or full menopause will know the hell yeah. <laughs> of menopause. But also now knowing that people with ADHD and menopause, it makes it that much harder. I look back at that time and I go, oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it probably does explain
1: a lot. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's learning. It's learning. It's dropping expectations of myself because I've lived with high expectations of myself. And I don't mean in terms of, I just mean like, um, a large part of ADHD is you can struggle with executive function. Uh-huh. and So now it's like, well, how do I make this easier for myself? Maybe it's on the weeks where I know I'm going to be really bad. It's okay that we're um, heating something up in the oven that yeah. wasn't put from scratch.
0: You give yourself or, a little bit of a break.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just those sorts of things. So that stuff has been life-changing to understand how my brain works, how I work and realizing that that's, that's actually absolutely okay.
0: Yeah. Did that play a role in you deciding to start a podcasting company?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that is around creating this space for me and
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah, I was talking to someone, um, recently and they have a background in journalism as well. And they've discovered with podcasting it's just this, yeah, it's the space of creativity where they finally, and I feel this too, where you finally find something that you're good at. <laughs> that yeah. You're, yeah, because um, that's something that I know was my experience and, and a lot of people um, who have had this experience too of the late diagnosis is that you grow up with Knowing you should be doing better because it's because yeah. I think I'm a person with reasonable intelligence, uh-huh. but I dropped out of high school. Yeah. You know, it's so it's like when you finally discover, oh my gosh, I have mm-hmm. skills.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I can thrive and I'm good at this. It's and you can magic. help
0: people with something that they're not as good at, like podcast yeah. editing. Don't listen to yeah. the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of editing. Um, yeah. But that's great that you are thriving in an area that suits you that feels yes. like it's a better fit and yeah. yeah it may not be something that's as easy for other people
1: yeah absolutely and i think that that's yeah it's important to find those things and i think mm-hmm. that a lot of people feel stuck and don't think that they can um move on and those sorts of things but i I think what the pandemic is doing is that it is helping a lot of people realize that life is very short, mm-hmm. and life can change very suddenly. And maybe there's another way of of existing, and yeah. um, maybe there's another way of working that you feel appreciated. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and you had the double doozy of the breast cancer and the <laughs> pandemic, and. <laughs> But Helen how's yeah. life now like how you just your day-to-day life and your health how is it right now?
1: It's yeah it I think in a lot of ways I feel lucky I am um, I mean the pandemic is crazy and <laughs> and yeah. it can feel stressful and all those things but um, yeah I feel quite lucky I have we have two dogs that uh Mm. keep me busy and um they're my yeah they're like my grief dogs oh (laughs) yeah they help me um I have a partner who is amazing and supports me and yeah I feel like even though life can feel really uncertain and those sorts of things I I do have a lot to be grateful for and um yeah, I mean, my health is reasonable. I've coming up to four years cancer-free and I haven't, I shouldn't, jinx, I feel like I'm jinxing myself, but no. we are in the, at the time of recording this, we are in our Omicron peak. Yeah. And in New
0: Zealand, you're at Omicron yeah.
1: peak. Yeah, ah. yeah. And it's crazy out there. I mean, it's winter, <laughs> it's winter there, right? Like cold weather. No, no. we're in the middle of summer and oh. we're having they think reported it we're having like 20,000 cases a day, but wow. they think it could be three times that. So life feels crazy. Yeah. And so, but I feel like in my little bubble, I have, there are a lot of positives.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you put that in my little bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is next on your horizon? What are you, you mentioned earlier that you were hesitant to look, look to the future too much but are you to the point where you're like yeah I'm planning some stuff
1: yeah yeah for sure so I definitely I feel easier about doing that but it is I mean there is uncertainty with the pandemic but um, my goals at the moment are to grow my business um because it's still very new in a lot of um senses and I would love for the you know things to calm down a bit travel should be a possibility again I
0: know
1: yeah so that's something that I would love on the horizon is that COVID just calms down itself out thank you so we can get on a plane
0: yeah
1: somewhere exciting
0: I know yeah I agree everybody's planning trips but nobody's sure if any of them are going to <laughs> actually happen so yeah well Helen what advice do you have for people who are either facing a cancer diagnosis or they're just in the thick of things and they can't seem to slow down enough to sort of Mm. open their eyes and ask themselves what they want
1: yeah so I think if you're you're facing cancer don't google don't google (laughs) anything stay away from dr google dr google has never done anyone any good it's true Oh no. <laughs> um but if you can find a support group or find one that resonates with you. Um there are some amazing spaces online yeah. um, where you will yeah feel seen and heard. And yeah, just know that what you are facing is scary and it's okay to not be positive all the time mm-hmm. and to let yourself feel the full spectrum Mm -hmm. um because you don't have to be the brave cancer patient you can be the scared cancer patient um when you need to be and for anyone who is like so many of us and is always busy and doesn't slow down and not listening take a moment to listen Mm -hmm. to what your body is telling you because when we tune in and do trust our intuition our bodies are often telling us very loudly and that, yeah, that busyness isn't worth your health. It just mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah. It's so true. Even last night I was on a
0: call with somebody and um, she was like doing a little meditation thing with me. Mm. And I had no idea that I had all this tension. I mean, I had a full out migraine and didn't even, I was just go, 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 go all yeah. day. And when I stopped for just like two breaths, I was like, oh my gosh, my neck, my jaw, it's, but we just don't even stop to ask our body what's going
1: on. No. And I think that's really applicable for women, especially women with children. I mean, I, I witnessed this with my yeah. sisters and my friends that, you know, we, we put so much on ourselves to achieve and yeah, just to keep pushing through. And I encourage everyone to rebel and to stop, yes. keep pushing through no yes. more.
0: <laughs> and if you're in a job that you're just not, I think you described it as a round peg in a square hole, yeah. Or yeah. vice versa, whatever that saying yeah. is. Yeah. But yeah, so what do you do if you're in that situation and you're just kind of in survival mode? And Yeah.
1: If there's someone to talk to, like if start with your friends. Or I, I actually think working with coaches is a fantastic mm-hmm. thing. Um, there are um, a lot of people with a lot of amazing knowledge and tools to help you figure mm-hmm. out what you want. Um, especially if it is a job that is toxic and impacting on your health, I just, and I know it's very easy for me to say, you know, just leave your job because some of us can't do that, but just start looking at what the possibilities are because mm-hmm. no job is worth your health.
0: Yes. Open your mind to possibility and just, yeah. you know, I always say, throw it out to the universe, you know, yes. throw it out to God, whatever you believe in, just, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm open to possibility and then you'll be yes. surprised how many serendipitous events or people come your way.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Very good point.
0: Yeah. Any other advice or any other words you want to share?
1: Oh gosh. Um, No, I think that's, I think that is a really good one is to trust your intuition yeah, really. Actually, I did hear some great advice. And I think this is something um, when we're talking about work and jobs and am I in a job that satisfies me? And I thought this was quite cool, is to think back to a job where you were happy. And it wasn't just because you had great workmates, but that job um satisfied you and you felt good and you felt valued and you really enjoyed it. And think back to what that was and what it what you enjoyed and maybe if that isn't what you're doing now can you get back to that space Mm -hmm. can you find a job that does similar
0: yeah yeah and instead of focusing on what you don't like I like how you're you're saying focus on what you do want yeah 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 great advice and for people who either know somebody who's going through cancer or they're going through cancer tell them about your podcast
1: yeah. So it's called the C word radio. Um, I'm available across all platforms, <laughs> yeah. but if you are also just wanting to connect and, um, you know, find a space where you feel seen and, and understood um, I'm on Instagram. So it's the C word underscore radio and also on Facebook, the C word radio. You can, yeah, come and DM me. I love chatting with people and, Um, yeah I've got quite a a nice lively Instagram and Facebook page so yeah Yeah, and I'll link it too and and y'all
0: Helen interviews people with cancer and people who've gone through cancer and
1: yeah it's fascinating yeah thank you
0: yeah thanks for joining us today Helen
1: oh it's been such a pleasure thank you for thank you for having me
0: yeah all right I'll stop it whoops let's see All right, here's the take home points. Number one, times of transformation like illness or divorce can reveal to you what you really want, forcing you to ask, how do I want to live differently? Do you really want to be living in fear, afraid of taking risk? Do you still want to be at your same job in 10 years? Number two, having hope for the future can fuel you. And this may look like making plans with friends or making travel plans, even when you're plagued with uncertainty. Number three, you can really feel lost after cancer treatments or during cancer treatments. You've changed, your body has changed, and you go through grief and even anger at your body for betraying you. But as Helen says, you deserve to thrive. Tell yourself it is time. Number four, if you're feeling lost, find something you're really good at. Whether it's podcasting, doing art, cooking, anything, just find something that you're good at. It will empower you and move you to the next step. Number five, when you get a new medical diagnosis, do not Google it. Find a support group that resonates with you, even if it's virtual. Know that it's okay to not be positive all the time. You don't have to be the brave cancer patient. You can be the scared cancer patient. Number six, listen to what your body is telling you and trust your intuition. No job is worth taking your health. I mean, risking your health. (laughs) Number seven, think back to a job where you were happy and valued, or for that matter, think of a time in your life where you were happy and valued. Think about what it was that you loved about it the most and ask yourself how you can get back to some of those same things. All right, y'all take care. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call, and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching, or maybe you just want to talk and, and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com, and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.